Welcome everyone, my name is Shannon Brown, I'm a senior analyst at Standards Australia and your host of the Sets of Standard podcast, a podcast where we speak to industry experts about current and emerging industries and technologies to better understand the role of standards in benefiting the Australian community. On today's episode, we discuss the role of standards in facilitating the use of recycled content in roads. To unpack this, I'm joined by Suzanne Toombrew. Suzanne is the CEO of the Australian Council of Recycling, the peak body for resource recovery, recycling and remanufacturing, committed to leading the transition to a circular economy through the recycling supply chain. At ACOR, Suzanne is forged a renewed strategy and federal agenda for a thriving recycling sector with core priorities of an aligned and supportive regulatory environment, strong markets and an integrated supply chain and community confidence in recycling right. Prior to joining ACOR, Suzanne was the Executive Director of the Australian Sustainable Build Environment Council, where she made significant contributions to advancing building sustainability policy in Australia. I'm also joined by Steve Morris. Steve is the founder of Close the Loop, now part of ASX-listed Close the Loop Group. Steve's role in the group is Head of Circular Economy. Steve is a pioneer of circular economy systems thinking and the inventor of eWood, Tonerplast and two other recycling technologies for complex waste streams. Closed Loop was a finalist in the Circulars Awards by the Ellen MacArthur Foundation in 2019 and a recipient of one of the first Australian Circular Economy Awards in 2022. And finally, I'm joined by Stephanie Groves. Stephanie is a Strategic Initiatives Officer and is responsible for leading the Circular Economy Programme at Stanners Australia. Her work is focused on driving coordination between industry, academia, government and consumers to accelerate Australia's transition to the circular economy. Stephanie oversees a work programme that sets our course for a sustainable future and supports the development of standards as a key enabler of circular policy and business practices. I guess we'll just get started with yourself, Suzanne. When we look at how roads can contribute to the circular economy, how do they contribute to the circular economy in Australia? And what are some of the benefits of using recycled material in roads? Up front, one of the things about roads is that they are in and of themselves recyclable, which is great news. And it's probably not something that everybody is highly aware of. The circular economy, just to explain some of the elements, uh, is an economy where we draw down less, if not no, uh, natural and virgin resources. And we're able to use and reuse the resources that uh, that we have already. And the highest priority, of course, in uh, in the circular economy is not recycling. Uh, the first steps that you need to take are avoidance uh, of natural resources and reuse and repair. But when you do get to the end of use of something, then you get to the point where you need to close that loop on the circular economy and recycle. When we look at roads, the first opportunity is to make sure that we can reuse them. The second opportunity is to think about what is at the moment uh, not finding a home in other circular ways, but that can add value and quality and a fit for purpose outcome for roads. So we don't exactly want to be using roads as uh, a dumping ground for every material that doesn't have a home, but there are materials that are fit for purpose and do deliver improved performance. Uh, they deliver a reduced environmental impact uh, and they and they also deliver a cost saving. Uh, and, and those types of materials are the ones that we look to as complementary to use in roads. And they include, for example, crushed grass, grass, crushed Glass might end up on it. Um, They they include certain types of plastics, and of course, always they include roads themselves. Yeah. (laughs) And that's, I guess, when we, I didn't realize any of that myself. And I think it really brings to light what we, if we're clever in in, in how we not reuse, but like that, that kind of material in a road. I don't think it's something that many people would 
be aware of. And then I guess, Steve, when we do look at roads themselves, how are they typically constructed currently? And what opportunities are there or that we have to incorporate recycled materials such as plastics, not glass, <laughs> glass, yes, and tires into our roads? Not grass, glass. <laughs> yes, indeed. We have, <laughs> we have enormous opportunities, Shannon. I'll get to that in a moment, but I'll start with the first part of your your question, which is how are roads typically yep. made? And if I may concede that I'm not a road maker, I'm yep. not an expert, but I've become fairly knowledgeable in 10 years of the journey towards using recycled plastics in roads. Roads are mixtures of varying sized aggregates. So crushed rock right the way down to fine sand. That is blended in a big heated mixer, a big drum heater typically, and uh, blended with bitumen, which is the black sticky glue that binds those aggregates together. That's all mixed up at a temperature in the 140 degree range, dropped into the back of a truck and delivered to site where it's fed into an asphalt laying machine and that lays various thicknesses on a well-prepared sub-base. Now, the opportunities for using recycled materials in that process are extremely good and common. There's nothing particularly new. Certainly, there's nothing new about using polymers in roads. The best roads in the world are modified with polymers. They're actually called polymer modified binders. Now, provided with our recycled plastics that we stick to the same basic functionality as the polymers used in a standard polymer modified binder, we can get similar performance from recycled plastics. Other materials like fly ash, crumb rubber, glass, <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, and of course, recycled <laughs> asphalt pavement Again, provided they are worked into the design, the circular economy is primarily about design. Providing that those other raw materials are worked into the design correctly, there should be performance improvements possible. At very least, there should be no detrimental performance. you got to love Steve, who opens up by explaining that he's not an expert and then goes on to (laughs) demonstrate how he is an expert. Sorry, Steve. (laughs) Thank you for the modest answer, Steve. (laughs) That's a pleasure. (laughs) And I guess then when we look at the experience that you've had, like you said, you've had the decade in roads and in some capacity and, and with yourself, Suzanne, you've come across, I'd imagine, success stories in incorporating recycled material in, in roads. Could you maybe tell us one or two of those each, if you don't mind? Steve, you have to start because you came way before I did into this sector. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. And my success stories will be based around, surprise, the use of recycled plastics, because that's what our company, Close the Loop, does. And that's what we know. Some success stories, I suppose, the two big ones, most recent ones are state roads in Victoria, the M80 freeway upgrade and the Monash freeway upgrade. And that's big news that recycled plastics have been used in both of those projects. And we're talking hundreds of tons of recycled plastics in each project. So that is a major breakthrough because that would never have been possible only a year and a half to two years ago. Suzanne, what have you got to add of different materials? Well, we have seen some really good examples of how crushed glass can be incorporated into roads. Uh, One thing to keep in mind is it's not desirable to put uh, high value glass into an outcome like a road. You can turn a bottle into a bottle if you collect it in the right way and if you can deliver it through the right types of recycling streams. 
There's an important priority of making sure that uh, where possible, we do reach circular outcomes and things like packaging provide a really good opportunity for that. However, there will continue to be glass that isn't of the right quality to go back into food packaging or into bottles. And at the same time, that can reach good fit for purpose valued outcomes like crushed basically into a sand output that can go into roads. And, And we've seen many road makers take that technology up, install their own for want of a bit of a term, a beneficiation plant on their sites and take, I guess, the glass that can't go back into bottles and use that for, for really good outcomes in roads. Similarly, uh, we've seen chrome rubber being used more or less in the same way um, that, uh, that other types of polymers are used to support roads. I mean, they're great examples. And then when we look then at the materials, Stephanie, that, that Susanna and, and Steve have both alluded to, What role do standards play in encouraging the uptake in these materials in roads? And what work are we currently doing at Standards Australia? So it's a really good question. And standards can play a crucial role in enabling the use of recycled materials in road construction. Not only can they provide a clear and consistent framework for industry to apply these materials, but they also ensure that roads are built using these materials are safe, they're durable and of high quality. So they can help provide confidence among engineers, procurement teams, contractors and the public that the recycled content is reliable and also a sustainable alternative to traditional materials. I read a report by Infrastructure Australia that came out late last year that was looking into the market for replacement materials in major infrastructure and road projects. And in their research, they found that 92% of survey respondents consider standards crucial in supporting business decisions to produce recycled material for roads. What that's highlighting is that standards are not only important to the people making roads, but also to the suppliers of these materials. And at Standards Australia, as a first step, We've looked to dispel some of the misconceptions surrounding Australian standards in regards to roads, because I think there's been a bit of a perception that Australian standards may inhibit the use of recycled materials. What we found is that when we went through the standards, we found the standards are performance-based rather than prescriptive, so that basically any material can be used in roads, recycled or raw material, as long as it meets the performance requirements of the standard. We've then done some work with Suzanne at ACOR to produce a report that explores the benefits and some of the challenges associated with using recycled content in roads and looked at the opportunities that Standards Australia has to address some of those barriers, primarily focusing on harmonizing some of the inconsistencies that exist at state levels and helping create a national framework for those standards. And then a final plug for all the work that our wonderful committees are doing. We're working with them to review the standards that are out there and determining, you know, do we need to make amendments to those standards? Is there something else that needs to change? Do you want to add, Suzanne, it looks like you're... Yeah, uh, look, it's a little amusing because when I first started in the role, one of the big priorities put to me by the sector was markets for recycled materials. And when we talked about uh, where they might go, and just, just as a background to that, Recycling is a system and it's a system comprised of three key elements. The first is collection of materials, second is processing and third third is markets. Without all those three working well together, the system doesn't work. And 
as a manufacturing enterprise, recycling is a little distinct from other manufacturing enterprises insofar as we have no control over the quality or the volume of feedstock that comes to our sector. But, and not on top of that, environmental regulation limits how much we can have on site at any time, which means it has to keep moving. And so markets are vital. And when we talked to the sector about where the biggest opportunity was or where an opportunity that maybe wasn't being met um, adequately was, a lot of the focus was on roads. Australia had been and probably continues to do its biggest infrastructure build in decades, if not ever. We are seeing a massive rollout and investment of infrastructure across the country. And we are also seeing in parallel a really big opportunity to support the delivery of fit-for-purpose material into road material that would replace virgin and raw material. So in looking at markets, we explored why, why is it that these aren't being taken up it seems to be a natural fit and a confluence of many interests. And to be frank, a lot of the sector came back and said, well, we think it's the standards are getting in the way. So right. I picked up the phone to Standards <laughs> Australia and said, can we have a chat? And they were extraordinary in how proactive they were in saying, well, let's see where we fit into this and let's see where the obstacles are. And the first thing that came back was an audit that basically said, it's not us. <laughs> But, but can we partner with you to explore where the barriers are and how we overcome them together? So, by the way, thank you so much for being so proactive and so open to engaging on this and moving it forward because every now and again you might come across a body that goes, it's not us, uh, you can look elsewhere. Yeah. So this form of collaboration is something that I welcome so deeply and I'm so grateful for. That was what I wanted to add. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for that. And um, it is a thing where to have like the, the proof, it's there and that collaborative effort to, to move forward. And, and I guess that feeds nicely into my... My next question in terms of those challenges, what are they? And in terms of, can you share your thoughts, both Steve and Suzanne, on overcoming the challenges for the likes of sourcing, processing and integrating recycled materials and, and road construction? It is worth exploring those challenges. They're a little granular and detailed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and in fact, the report that um, that has been uh, mentioned is uh, goes into that detail. I think that's Steve would be a great person to, he's lived this um, for, for a long <laughs> yeah. time to, to take us through a bit of that. Yeah, thank you both to uh, ACOR and Standards Australia. This is just a brilliant forum, one that I've been looking forward to. And, and here's why. I'm going to be controversial, Steph, because I don't believe that the standards are performance-based. If they are, in fact, there's a communication gap because procurement professionals don't think they are. Procurement professionals say to me hundreds of times every year, I can't procure a road with recycled plastic because it's not in the spec. So if what you're saying is right, and I, I trust you, then there's a big communication gap and a big education program and other things needed. Okay, so let me let me leave that there for, for the moment. But that was my number one <laughs> barrier to the uptake of more recycled materials in roads. Shannon, if you want to keep going down that path, I'm happy to. <laughs> I'm going to buy you, Steve. <laughs> uh, well, I'll, t I'll tell you some of the other ones. The circular procurement piece. You know, most procurement professionals seem to be judged and have their performance metrics based around how cheap they can buy things, which doesn't work in a circular economy where things like whole of life costs are valued over 
first-time purchase. In the case of uh, recycled plastics, we've proven that we can extend the life of the asset by 15%, but that doesn't seem at the moment at least to have a huge impact on some procurement professionals. Again, that's up to us to, to keep persisting and keep educating and keep demonstrating scientifically those facts. That's number two. <laughs> and number three, there's a perception that recycled plastic in roads is going to create microplastics. Oh, shock horror. Well, guess what? The largest source of microplastics on earth are rubber from car tires. But nobody wants to talk about that. They want to talk about the potential for microplastics coming from recycled plastics when the polymers are the same as virgin polymers that are used on every major freeway in Australia and nobody even questions it. All day, every day. We've proven now with the latest Dostroads sponsored project out of RMIT, a two-year body of work that using recycled plastics improves the adhesion of the stone to the bitumen and reduces the amount of microplastic potential emissions. So, so again, a lot of facts. So what I'm saying, perhaps I'm telling myself here, more education, you know, more uh, knowledge sharing, mm -hmm. because uh, some of the perceptions are not facts. And to your point about standards, I think uh, we use the term fairly loosely. There are the Australian standards, and Steph, I'll, I'll, I'll leave you, the, the experts to talk, talk <laughs> us through that. Then there are the various specifications identified by, oh, goodness knows, every man and his dog around the country, <laughs> which the report outlines and, and illustrates the inconsistencies and the diversity of parameters uh, that uh, dictate how roads are made. So... Part of, I guess, in terms of education, Steve, you know, th this is, uh, I'm hoping I'm not being too optimistic. I'm thinking that, you know, reports like this and particularly this report might help to take that first step to untangle the knot of what the standards are, what the specs are, where the disparity is, and then how we move forward in navigating that. It's really important that we understand where the problem is so that we can help to resolve it. In terms of procurement, totally agree that kind of there seem to be a lot of drivers in terms of choosing which spec to apply in roads and that my sense is that that is a, a task that we need to partner with the engineering professions to make different choices in uh, in the specs that they apply because oftentimes they do get that choice they will be making those decisions we are seeing various state governments in their procurement guidelines outline the need to prioritise uptake of recycled content. To use a hackneyed term, the rubber's not hitting the road. <laughs> the recycled rubber's not hitting the road. Um, uh, when, it, when it comes to these outcomes uh, in application and, and some of that uh, might be, might illustrate the need to, to work with the professions to help to educate and maybe remove Firstly, a bit of the risk aversion and the kind of adherence to status quo. And secondly, illustrate where there is not, where that risk doesn't exist. So the, it is a bit of a thicket of issues that needs to be navigated, but change is hard. It can happen and does happen and collaboration can get you there. And I guess, Steve, you mentioned about how there's that some... It's not spoken about, but the perception of of materials and in, in roads, and not a negative, but perception in in that terms. But is there any drawbacks or concerns with using recycled material in the construction of of roads? I leave that to uh, look, the, to, to everyone on the table. I think that's the and how and, and that I needs think, to be addressed. Yeah. Yes. I, look, I think the recent report by Standards Australia and ACOR does highlight a lot of those 
concerns very, very well. Some of them that I'd like to add again in my area of expertise, which is the recycled plastics in roads. Now, there's a common term that I hear that's incorrect, that recycled plastics can be used in road base. We've just got to get our language right. No, they can't. They can't be used in road base because road base is cold and it means that the plastics stay as plastics in that road base and they're replacing stone, which is ridiculous. So it's the way that the recycled plastics are engineered into a finished product that is then blended with the binder at the right temperature, which improves the performance and eliminates environmental issues. So there's that challenge that people think plastics go into road base. And the other thing is um, melt temperatures. You know, we hear of people using all sorts of weird and wacky recycled plastics, but there is a very fine specification of what the melt temperature needs to be. You can't go putting rigid plastics, for example, in roads. So we've just got to be careful that we don't get too general about the term of using recycled plastics in roads. Suzanne? Steve is so right. To my mind, there's a phrase I hear every now and again, turning rubbish into some kind of product. I think from a recycling perspective, typically I don't think that we can deal with rubbish. Rubbish is the unrecoverable, unrecyclable material that you know we need to find other outcomes for. What we need to do is create, is to use the right materials to create durable, fit for purpose, and in this case, our outcomes and material for roads. And so you do have to make sure you're careful in your choices about what you use. And as Steve said, you're careful in your language. So, you know, one of my big desires is to stop thinking about turning rubbish into stuff. When we recycle, we take recoverable materials and we turn them into another product that has value in the market. For now, rubbish typically will go to the bin and end up either in landfill or ideally in an energy outcome. So for people on the street to understand we don't recycle rubbish and we don't want rubbish in our recycling streams, we want the right materials. So, you know, when it comes to making choices at the yellow bin, only put in the yellow (laughs) bin what is actually recyclable. Uh, And if we're collecting other material for recycling, soft plastics, for example, if we're aggregating those, just make sure that they're sorted well as well because we have to be careful about what we apply to other outcomes and in particular roads. I think I'd like to just circle back to the point that both Suzanne and um, Steve made about education, particularly when it comes to the standards. I think it highlights that there are just so many, it's that knot that you were talking about, right? That There's the Australian standards, there's state level specifications, and they all are interacting and working in different ways. And so when we're talking to procurement officers or we're talking with engineers, they might be using one set of standards um, and someone else may be talking a different language almost. So I think from a standards perspective, the challenge is one, educating all the stakeholders that deal with roads about what's out there and then also harmonizing or helping to fix those inconsistencies where they exist. So it's really a two-pronged approach that we're trying to take, fixing inconsistencies and then also help provide education and collaboration with everyone that's involved in the process. It's a big desire of industry to see a harmonised approach. We've seen a whole lot of, um, uh, you know, really, and particularly over the last three years, uh, a lot of parochialism uh, mm-hmm. kind of overtake mm-hmm. the country. We need to come back with a harmonised approach and, and standards that, and Australian standards are a good way to do that, uh, making sure that uh, we have some confidence in the standards that are being applied. We have some confidence in what we're investing in producing yep. uh, and that they can find good markets across the country. How do you address the argument that incorporating plastic into the road doesn't necessarily truly represent a, a circular solution? Well, firstly, 
as David outlined, plastic is already incorporated into roads. And so ideally what we'd be doing is substituting that plastic uh, virgin material or virgin-derived plastic with recovered plastic because some outcomes are not going to be that perfect closed-loop circle, but they can feed into the uh, the overall aim of a circular economy, which is to draw down much less from our natural resources. And in that bigger context, substituting virgin and raw materials with recovered materials is a big priority. And supporting markets for recovered materials is also a big priority. Mm-hmm. Where you can swap out a virgin polymer for a recovered polymer, say that's a no-brainer. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if we break down the circular economy into the three most common pillars of circularity, the first being design. We talked about the need to improve our specs from a design perspective. Secondly, the second pillar of circularity is to keep products in service and in circulation for as long as possible. Now, when we can't keep a product in circulation any longer, the trick is to keep those raw materials, those atoms and molecules in circulation for longer. That's exactly what we're doing with recycled plastics in roads. And the third pillar of transitioning to a circular economy is to build regenerative business models. Now, apart from planting trees and mangroves, which is totally valid, another way of regenerating which is having the planet be better for having had your business in it. Another way that plastic uh, in roads helps that is to offset the need for fossil fuel derived finite resources like bitumen. So what's not circular about all of that? (laughs) (laughs) No, no, for sure. And, And I guess then when you look at that, the education, the, you know, getting that message across, I guess, put this out to all of you. Like you mentioned Standards Australia and, and ACOR in terms of, you know, reaching out and saying, do standards prohibit? And, and, you know, standards replying saying, no, but we want to collaborate and get that message across and be very proactive in that space. How can collaboration then between government, industry, research um, drive innovation in the use of um, recycled materials in road construction? I get that to... Steph, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I think collaboration is really important when we're talking about this cultural shift in enhancing confidence in these materials, if that's with engineers, contractors, procurement officers, everyone that we touched on earlier. But I think one of the challenges is changing the conversation or the language that we used. So Steve and Suzanne touched on earlier about shifting the conversation from waste and thinking of these materials as recoverable and important resources that have value. And We've been really intentional in saying recycled materials, not referring to this as waste. And standards can play a really pivotal role in establishing the language that we use, but then also setting the performance requirements and building that confidence in these materials. So when we're thinking more broadly about collaboration, if that's with industry and government and research, I think it's really important that we pull the resources, we pull the knowledge, we pull the experience and shared learnings so that we can work to really encourage these materials to be used and do that in a collaborative and harmonised way. You can't do it without collaboration. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're working across an entire supply chain and yep. across so many different sectors, and I guess standards committees are illustrative of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so in order to progress, what is in the context of a circular economy, the transformation of our economy, we have to work across all sectors. We have to link up. And we have to form a circle too because, you know, that that take-make-waste process, you know, you get something out of the ground, you turn it into a thing, someone uses it, then it goes back 
pretty much into a pile. In order to close that link and become circular, with I, I would argue recycling is that last kind of chain in that link, every part of the system needs to work together. As Steve said, you need to design it right. It needs to be fit for purpose. You need to then be able, when it, at, at end of use or in, at end of the life of the product or material, or the road in this case, you need to be able to extract it and bring it back. And there are different skills and different forms of expertise and different priorities even and different economic models behind each part of that that all need to work together to deliver that outcome. Yeah, the collaboration that I feel is needed. Look, first of all, I think the research industry government collaboration feels early stage to me. I think we're much further down the track than that, where collaboration that's required now is in the supply chain and it is in getting the raw materials at the right spec, into finished products, remade in Australia, and then back into uh, you know high-quality applications like enhancing the performance of an asphalt road. So that's the level of collaboration that eliminates supply chain risks to do with supply, quality, performance, et cetera. A good example is a contract we've just signed with the City of Greater Bendigo, where f- for the first time ever, to my knowledge, a council has taken responsibility for diverting soft plastics from landfill, bailing them, shipping them to us as a feedstock for us to manufacture a product that improves the performance of their roads. But they've signed to accept and buy the equivalent amount of tonoplast to the raw materials they ship us. Now, that is a contract that takes the risk of circularity out of the hands of the recycler. We're a partner. We're not the 100% solution provider. So that's the level of collaboration that that we're working in now and I believe is the most important. And Steve, that is, again, that's illustrative of the fundamental need for markets for this material. It has to go somewhere. And so in in becoming part of that closed-loop system where, you know, arguably members of the community are consuming the products that that form the soft plastics, they're bringing them back to the local government area, which is then delivering them back to close-the-loop and back into roads that these people then use locally. yeah. That's a deep form of very applied collaboration we would love to see so much more of across the country where you make that very clear link between how that material is aggregated and then the market that can be formed for it. I guess they're setting the standard in terms of uh, what, what <laughs> excuse the pun, but uh, <laughs> in terms of you know um, how it can be done, and and it's a very you can it it's, it showcases um, what hopefully is up and coming with other cities across Australia and other well councils. But no, thank you all for this extremely insightful conversation. I didn't think I'd know as much about roads <laughs> as I do now. So yeah, thank you very much. Thanks, Thanks. Thank, Thank you, you, Shannon. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, Shannon.